Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Friday, March 25th, and we are proud to be part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at TPPN on, I'm sorry, you can find them at hashtag TPPN on Twitter, or you can search uh, at PigskinPodNet if you're looking for them on Twitter. All of us hashtag the TPPN as we go live. As you guys can see, Matt is back from vacation Dennis is here somewhere. I heard that uh, some things were going on over there. He's got some kind of just massive party going on, so he may be in and out here for a minute or two. But, Matt, how was the trip to Sin City? It was really good. You know, um, had some fun. Uh, Raiders paraphernalia is everywhere, so that was a that was a little rough. I'd uh, imagine. I did not partake. We we thought for a little while we were going to get to go look at Allegiant Stadium, and I told the guy I was like, "I'll go," but I'm I'm definitely wearing my Bronco shirts. I brought, but you know it was good. It was good weather. Um, you have more temperate temperatures uh, most of the year around. You you probably enjoy the winter spring temperatures here. Not as great. We were happy that we missed uh, the windstorm that uh, occurred. You know, while it was 70 mile an hour winds here, I was sitting by a pool drinking. So a little nicer. Yeah, I was a um, funny story about that because we got, um, I don't know what day that was. Now that I think about it, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. I don't remember 100%, but we actually had a tornado hit here in Texas and like, multiple places but one literally right down the street from my house like it just hit down for like i guess a couple minutes and then just kind of went back up and i had no idea like i was sitting in my house my dad texts me like two hours later it's like hey is everything okay i heard he hardeman is the name of the elementary school that's right by my house where i grew up and it got hit and all this stuff I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, there was no tornado here. He's like, yeah, it's all over Facebook. Cause he still pays attention to all this stuff. Like, never heard the sirens going off. Like I knew it was raining really bad. I could hear that, but never really thought anything of it. Just kept on. I was over here recording spring reports for campus to Canton YouTube channel. No idea. So hey, you uh, survived. That's yeah, the important yeah. part. Well, you're, you're used to hail and all kinds of, you know, motor equipment, all that noise and stuff happening when you're recording anyway. So, 
Yeah, that is true. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, I'm getting a little sick of it. A little sick of it. But I'll be praying for all this wonderful weather here in like a month when it's 100 plus degrees outside, and I'm going to be hating every second of being outside. But we have a ton more news to get to. We thought. Roger Goodell and the NFL got the memo when we said, hey, guys, like we're taking a couple days off, recharge the batteries a little bit. Matt's got to go on vacation. Just kind of calm down. Don't do anything crazy. And I think uh, I think they read that as go do something crazy. They We've got some NFL GMs playing fantasy football in real life. We've got to kick it off with the main one that went down <clears throat> Wednesday, I believe. Is that correct? If I'm remembering yeah, that correctly. Wednesday. Tyreek Hill goes to the Miami Dolphins for a 2022 first, second, fourth, and then a 23 fourth and six. Matt, it feels like let's let's do this from the Miami side first, because there's a lot of people who are not high on Tua, and I feel like they're putting everything around him saying, hey, Tua, like, you've got all these weapons, do something. What are your thoughts on what this does for Tua? Well, I mean, you definitely can't say they haven't tried to build around him. Like, you know, the first two years, it would have been fair. You know, they, they got Waddle last year, but they had a lot of injuries. They went and signed Will Fuller. He never really played for them. They never figured out the running back situation. <clears throat> you have that kind of San Francisco offensive scheme you would have figured is coming over. They added Mostert and Edmonds to the backfield, so it's not – they don't have a – bell cow back per se but i'd say they have a pretty healthy committee and now you've added tyree kill waddle has been very good they franchise tag gasecki they signed cedric wilson they still have Devonte parker unless they move on from them and they've been working on slowly building up that line maybe a little bit more of an aggressive offensive scheme so they're giving him the tools and hoping that he takes it to the next level but I think the signing that maybe now is gone under the radar a little bit is they also have hedged their bets. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that they signed Bridgewater um, early in the process. He was a guy that seemed like was getting a lot of interest to maybe be a starter for one of these teams that had need. And I've seen a lot of people talking about how the pressure is really going to be on to uh, to perform because he's got somebody behind him. Bridgewater wasn't my favorite. Everybody knows, but he did a pretty competent job in a scheme that I don't think was very good. I think the play calling in Denver was pretty awful. Um, and they had some some issues as well. But he had a career year last year um, and showed at times that he was more than capable of moving the offense. Miami looks like a team that wants to get in the playoffs. They've been very close two years in a row. I think this is a pushing our chips and saying we we're getting there this year whether it's Tua or somebody else. Well, I think McDaniel has done a couple things to, you know, he brought, you know, Mostert was brought in. He's going to have a couple games where he does really well, but his job is to teach the rest of the backfield, the offense. That's kind of how I view it. They don't have really anybody that's going to carry the load. So they're going to use multiple backs and, it, it kind of is what it is in that offense. He's he's that run game, that that zone scheme kind of guru guy. Coming out of college, you know what we always, or at least what I always thought about Tua was he's super super accurate, and he can put the ball in 
places where his receivers can make plays. Well, now he's got two of the best playmakers, and there's going to be shots. He's good on deep ball accuracy, accuracy, but he doesn't take a ton of shots deep. How much of that was a function of a subpar offensive line? I guess we're going to find out this year because they invested significantly in the offensive line. Hey, little boxes, how are you? And uh, getting getting him weapons, I, so I'm not sure what all the uproar is about. You get a quarterback, you get weapons, you surround him with a good offensive line, and then you go make plays. Is he Patrick Mahomes? I don't think anybody has ever tried to make him out to be that. He's Could he be Drew Brees? Maybe. You know, he's a little more mobile than Drew Brees. Um, he's accurate. Breeze didn't have a great, great big arm, but he made some plays downfield. He, he took shots when, when he needed to. That's a lofty comparison, but I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on and we're starting, you know, we'll talk about it a little more later. I think we'll touch on MVS. There's a lot of things that people are starting to want to flip what they what they've thought about a player based on what's around him. Tua I don't think is has ever been somebody we thought would be a top 6 quarterback. He could be he could be productive with good good pieces around him. Um but he's not somebody that was going to be uh super productive especially with a subpar offensive line which he's had for most of his NFL career. I like the trade for Tyreek. I think that there'll be a lot of intermediate passes with him and Waddle and a lot of motion, a lot of action, a lot of RPO stuff that's going to scheme the ability for both of those quick wide receivers to make plays. And I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with the amount of, you know, 20-ish yard passes being completed and then making big gains out of them. I really don't know what to think about this trade. I've I I like Mike McDaniel's everything that I've heard, whether it's been a podcast or anything, there's radio, anything I've read. A lot of people seem to really respect him and his offensive mind, but it also goes a lot around how good he is as a run game coordinator. We've seen what they've brought in on with Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. They still have Miles Gaskin there. There's still rumors they're going to draft a running back. So I would not be surprised if this is a run-based offense. I don't know that it does much for Tua. I mean, grabbing a guy like Tyreek Hill can't help you. I just don't think Tua's good. I never have. I, I, I mean, and I don't think that Tyreek Hill is going to help improve that at all. I mean, look at how good... Jalen Waddle was in that offense in screen passes, everything around the line of scrimmage. It was not like he was going deep. They were doing everything they could to get Jalen Waddle the ball so that he could make plays. Well, now they just added another guy just like that on the other side of the line. It's Tyree kill. So I think it's going to help him some, but I don't think it's going to be a massive upbeat for him. Like I don't even know where to have finished last year in fantasy Maybe he moves up a couple spots. He's not moving up into QB1 territory. Like, my biggest thing is everybody keeps saying, oh, well, this will be good for Tua. And like Dennis just mentioned it. He's right. The best part about Tua's game is how accurate he is. He is a very accurate passer. And there's been a lot of people saying, well, hell, now they have Tyreek Hill and they're going to be able to take some more shots and... 
They're going to get Tyreek Hill the ball. They're going to feed him the ball. Like, what tells you they're going to feed him the ball? They were one of the lowest passing teams last year. So was Sam. I'm sorry. The Dolphins last year were one of the highest passing teams before McDaniels got there. But the 49ers were one of the lowest passing teams. And the Miami Dolphins defense is, in my opinion, not the 49ers defense, but it's not a bad defense. I don't think that they're coming in there saying we're going to have to throw the ball 30, 40 times. I think they're still going to limit how much he passes the ball. And I do think what helped Tyreek is that he was the volume guy. Him and Kelsey, that was it. Like Mahomes fed the ball to those two. And everybody keeps saying, oh, well, hey, we can make two guys fantasy relevant. Cantua? Because like the only subpar quarterback I think can make two players fantasy football relevant is Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins actually well, finishes a QB one more often than he does a QB two. That's it's not so even making two that. guys fantasy relevant though. That's well, before he he made yeah. Thielen and Diggs for multiple years. And I, I think he did Jefferson and Thielen at least. No, once, I mean right? in Miami, uh, you know, Gasecki yeah. was fantasy relevant as was Waddle. That's the big question, and now I mean, they've added other players. Bridgewater had three top twenty-five receivers and finished as QB nineteen. I mean, it, it's not a stretch. I think it is. Because I just don't think Tyreek Hill is going to be that good in this offense. Like, I'm I'm but interested to see what happens with him. I just don't think two is... Fair, uh, a fair comparison, though, because the way that Curtis Samuel ended up being in that top 25 was because he got a lot of rushing work with Christian McCaffrey being gone because they didn't have that dominant running back. If Miami doesn't have a dominant running back and they use... Hill in the running game, similar to how Debo Samuel was used in San Francisco. That's a way I think that they could have three receiving elements that are fantasy relevant at their position. Otherwise, I I thought it was a, you know, prior to that trade, I would have had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both up in my top, top 10, top 12. You, I don't see any way you keep two players up there. To me, I probably lean toward Waddle because he's such a PPR machine. So little well, boxes ask, does Tyreek drop out of the top 10 at wide receiver now that he's in Miami? He does for me. I don't see how you can, but I don't know. I'm dropping. He's not in my top five. I, I, I think I have him at seven now. Like again, my biggest thing is I still think he's going to produce. Because as Matt, you just said, like they'll find ways to get him the ball. They used Jalen Waddle before. Obviously, this wasn't Mike McDaniel's San Francisco 49ers. They used Jalen Waddle, much like Debo was used in, in San Francisco last year in this offense. And when Mike McDaniels came over, he gave us all the lip service about how Jalen Daniels or Jalen Waddle is going to be his Debo. I imagine that's probably going to be Tyreek Hill now in some form or fashion. So I do think he's going to get some work. He's going to. They didn't pay him the, the top wide receiver money in in all of the NFL to not target him. But I don't think his his upside is not wide receiver one anymore. What I mean by that is the number one wide receiver. Like, it was him and Devontae Adams, and then we talked, does Devontae Adams going to the Raiders drop him off that? Well, I think this drops Tyreek Hill more than Adams going to, to, to the Raiders because I trust Carr to at least force-feed Devontae Adams the ball where I don't think Tua's going to do that. So I'm not dropping out of him out of my top ten. I do think Waddle probably drops. I think Gasecki's hurt the most by this too. Like I don't think I think it's going to be Waddle and, and and Hill. I don't think Gasecki's much of anything now at this point. But 
and all those the one people of the that thing, had hope Cedric Wilson yeah. was going to do something. The 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 one big thing I think a lot of people are overlooking too is Miami isn't a really good AFC East with three really good well two at least the Jets defense was good for most of the year but two really good defenses who you don't think are going to try and scheme Tyree Kill out of those games like. I trust Buffalo and I trust Bill Belichick to find a way to stop those two guys. So, or at least one of those guys like they typically do. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but Dennis, would you drop him out of your top 10? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're going to defenses have always schemed for Tyreek. And last year, I think what it, what it showed is last year was probably his most volatile year. He had more highs and more lows and it was a lot more up and down last season. I think this season, you know, we can't get wrapped up in the difference in quarterbacks and say, well, Tyreek can't be a wide receiver one because he doesn't have Mahomes throwing him the ball. He can be a top-end wide receiver in a different offense with a good wide receiver. I mean, we've seen Kirk Cousins do it with Jefferson and Thielen, uh, we've seen Cousins do it with Diggs and Thielen. So we've seen quarterbacks that are not running quarterbacks or that maybe don't always have the biggest arm uh, be productive, have two very highly productive wide receivers. So I, I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in saying, oh, well, Tua can't throw deep because he can. He just doesn't. And that could be a function of the offensive scheme that he was in. Um, Tyreek gets open, and what Tua does is get the ball to the open guy. So Waddle and Hill are going to get open. Gesicki's going to get open. Tua is going to get the ball to them. Yes, they're probably going to run the ball a good amount, but if they're behind, they're still they're going to have to throw the ball. And they're playing. They've got some real good teams in their division. They're going to have to play. All right. Well, they've got the Bills. Um, it's a situation that. I think you can buy a little bit low on Tyreek because people are panicking a little a little and and thinking but you can't buy low thinking you're getting a top 3 wide receiver. You have to buy, you know, wide receiver 15 thinking you're getting wide receiver 8. I think I think I'm I'm moving him. I don't think Looks like you're moving him right now is what it looks like. I don't want, I just don't want to have, I don't think he's going to bring back the value that he once had. And I don't see a, and it's not even just losing Patrick Mahomes. Like I think the other thing that made him so dangerous in that offense is those two had that connection, right? When Patrick Mahomes had to bail out of the pocket, he always seemed to find Tyreek and granted, it's what he's able to do after the catch. Like I think his a dot's only 10 yards. So it's not like Tyree kills um, or his, I can't remember what it was um, his average depth of target or something like that. Like it's not like it was 18, 20 yards down the field. So saying, Oh, that's all Tyree kill ever does. We know you can get him the ball anywhere on the field. And because of his speed, he can make a big play happen. So I have no doubt too is going to be able to do that. I just, I honestly would not be surprised if two is not the quarterback of the dolphins in 2023 like if he doesn't go out there and play well this year they still have i believe two first round picks in the draft in 2023 uh they could package those up and move up and grab 
Stroud or Bryce Young or whatever quarterback comes out this year and has a great year. So I, I do think it's a big year for Tua. I'm, I'm a little bit down on Tyreek, but I still think he's probably a top 10 guy. And I, I think Waddle's really got to get moved down. But Matt, what does this mean for Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he's considered the best quarterback in the NFL right now, but he loses his best wide receiver option. Yeah, and I think he's still uh, at least a top five. Is he going to be the number one? I probably didn't have him as number one anyway, um, just given some of the other guys that are out there. They've started to put some receivers in around him. I think he will use those. He still has Travis Kelsey, who was arguably his best receiver the last couple of years anyway. Um you know, probably leans on him more heavily. I liked the Juju Smith-Schuster signing, which we'll get to. They they brought in Dennis's fave MVS, which will help them stretch the field, and they said they're going to use him. They still have Miko Hardman. I still think the Chiefs are going to use at least one of those first-round picks to grab a wide receiver as well. So they're going to reload with some pieces. It's not going to be quite the same. What you might see, though, is, you know, Dennis referenced – before they were kind of a two-trick pony, and I think that actually wasn't helping them uh, against some of these teams. Teams had figured out how to scheme. They were playing that, you know, three safeties high. Uh, a lot of that is because of Tyreek Hill. If you get some more possession receivers and you have more receiving options and you're not as clear on where that ball is going to go all the time, that may actually end up benefiting the Chiefs as they try to compete in a very difficult division. I I think that we're going to look back in 12 months and we're going to give Brett Veach and Andy Reid Executive of the Year awards, even if Kansas City misses the playoffs. Because what they've done is they've got, what what is Hill, 27 years old? So he's, come, he's, he's a five I, foot. Yeah, I think he's 27, 28. He's he's a five foot ten, hundred and ninety five pound, twenty seven year old wide receiver. Now he, he's a unicorn for what he does, but he's heading. He's starting to get. He it, last season wasn't his best year. He may still have a couple good years in him. They got a large amount of draft capital for him. They know that they have a quarterback that they've signed to a gargantuan uh, 10-year contract that they have to, they, they can't just sign, they're going to have to build pieces up and then offload them for the next 10 years, just like they did with Tyreek Hill. So they had to make a choice in my estimation between Hill and between Travis Kelsey. And like, yeah, they, they looked at the... You know, we talk about it in, in fantasy all the time, position scarcity, and there's a lot fewer elite tight ends than there are elite wide receivers. So they can go into the draft. They've got a couple more years of Kelsey. They've got a lot more draft capital now. Are their current crop of wide receivers daunting? No, but we've also seen guys like Aaron Rodgers make mediocre wide receiver cores uh look pretty good. And I think if we view Patrick Mahomes in that same sort of box, like we do those elite quarterbacks, he'll still have a good year. He's going to make somebody on this team, um, 
a fantasy superstar this year. And then they're going to be able to invest. You know, the way the drafts I've seen, the mock drafts I've seen look, they might get Traylon Burks with one of these two first-round picks, who's probably going to need a year of NFL seasoning before he takes a big step. And to me, that's just crazy to think they're going to go from Tyreek Hill, be a competitive team, maybe not make a deep run in the playoffs this year, but they're going to be a competitive team and then have Traylon Burks on a rookie contract for five years. Yeah, I'm I'm really not worried about Mahomes. And little boxes, I see your question. We'll get to that in just one second about your trade. Um, I'm not really worried about Mahomes because I agree with Dennis. It's the argument I made about Justin Fields last year over Trevor Lawrence, right? Like I think he's a a quarterback who is a he raises all tides, like or he he raises all ships, like he's that kind of quarterback. And I think Mahomes is going to be fine now. I do agree with what Matt said. I've had Josh Allen as my QB1. I would listen to the argument of putting Justin Herbert over Mahomes. Because even though they added MVS, and I know this is going to hurt one of my fellow friends on this podcast, but like... There'll be no MVS slander on this If Aaron Rodgers couldn't make MVS matter, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to. Um, but I do think that they take a wide receiver here in the draft but they're going to lean on MVS, Miko, and everybody seems to be forgetting that they added Juju, who I understand, like, in his last two seasons wasn't what he was as a rookie, but he's still a good wide receiver. So, like, I think they're going to be more than fine. He's got weapons around him. And we saw Miko, while it was very, you know, hit and miss, he did step up at a couple times and look good in some games. Still think Juju can be at least a wide receiver, too like in that offense, and they still have Kelsey. So I think he's going to be just fine. Do you think they use him different, though? I don't know who you're talking about, Kyle. So uh, I think can they'll, they'll use both uh, oh, no. Juju and MVS differently. I think he's talking – yeah, MVS. No, they're probably going to use MVS like they use Tyree Kill, which, again, wasn't always as a deep threat. But my biggest issue with MVS was not that he wasn't a good deep threat. It's that he drops the ball too much. He's just not really great with his hands, which you kind of have to be as a wide receiver. It's, right, a, it's drops a big part don't of your job. Matter. Drops so, don't matter. I'm and just saying. Off, but They're not going to use MVS like they use Tyree Kill. Oh, agreed. Yeah, they You won't. can only use Tyree Kill yeah. like Tyree Kill is used. So, yeah, 49% catch rate on the toughest balls to catch. A lot of deep threats have, have that type of uh, – catch rate it's just the the further the longer the throw the harder it is to catch and the lower the catch rate that's just the nature of it i think what's happened is so many people got wrapped up thinking they they signed mvs as the replacement for tyreek and they didn't they're going to have a more balanced approach to their wide receiver group this year it's not going to be tyreek hill and ayo it's going to be Juju, it's going to be Nicole. It's going to be MVS. It's going to be whatever rookie they draft. Um, it's going to be. It, there's going to be a broader distribution of targets amongst the wide receivers. Is that bad for fantasy? Probably because we want our guys to get the most targets. Is it bad for the NFL game writ large? No, because it's harder to defend. And and like I said. Hill is a unicorn. Nobody's going in there to, to run, to do what Tyreek Hill did. They're going to have a fast team, but they're going to have more. They're going to run some different concepts. I think we'll be surprised 
And I think you go out and buy MVS, but you expect MVS to be what MVS is. He's a deep threat that's going to have some blow-up games, be writ with inconsistency, and and hope maybe as he goes on, like him and Nicole are entering their their what their fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth years. You know, these guys are going to continue to mature a little bit and get a little bit better, but they're not going to be the elite wide receivers that we're trying to draft early, but they're going to be productive NFL players and give you some decent games for fantasy. So let's get our expectations in check here. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver too. Like I and and that's kind of the way I viewed him. I don't I have, don't think he's start three wide receivers and two flexes. So No, yeah, I'm not saying he won't ever be worthy of starting. I just I don't I've not viewed him as a replacement for Tyreek, so I agree with you there. Like I I just I don't think he has as much value as as some people are making him out to making him out to. So little boxes said I have a super flex dynasty question. Someone told me they want to trade for Dak and Connor, but want me want to, me to start negotiations. I am a contender and I have reasonable depth or a reasonable deep team. What should I ask for in return at minimum? He has at least one, or he has the one Oh two in 2022. So first off I would send back, if you want Dak and Connor, you tell me what you want. I'm not going to start the negotiations. Bingo. You're the one who wants Dak and Connor. So that's what I would say. Uh, but I'm also very petty when it comes to that stuff. So um, I don't know. I'd have to know what I'd have to see what their team looks like. Little boxes. It's kind of hard to. I mean, you're giving up Dak, who, in my opinion, is at least a top seven quarterback at Superflex. Connor just secured more value with getting re-signed to a multiple year deal after the year he just had in Arizona. He's still probably an RB two. So I'd want at least a top ten quarterback, a good RB, and probably something else back. If you can't get it at that, I. I I'd ask for more on top of whatever they're giving you, but it's kind of hard to know what to ask for when I don't know what their team looks like. Especially if you're a contender in Superflex. <clears throat> I think we were just talking about off-air, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later. This is not the draft for you to find a quarterback that you're playing. So if yeah. you're giving up Dak, you better make sure you're secure at that position. All right, so – before we finish up on the Chiefs, I mean, we kind of dove in there on MVS. Uh, do you think with losing Tyreek and adding MVS, I mean, they have Juju, they have Kelsey, and they have Hardman. Matt, like, what does this do for those three guys? Has it really changed anything for you? Is it, you know, increased Juju's value so you're trying to move them? Same with Nicole. I mean, I think Kelsey's pretty stagnant. His, in my opinion, he's the best tight end, so it's not going up or down. Yeah. He, he's solidified in my mind. Yeah, his value doesn't really change. For Hardman, I might try to sell high because, like we just talked about, I don't think he's going to take a huge jump. I'll be curious to see about Juju. I think he can end up being in the wide receiver two range. We forget those early years. He thrived more being an outside receiver, which is something he wasn't really with the three in Pittsburgh. He got more pushed down in the slot, which helped him in terms of getting receptions, but maybe capped his ceiling a little bit. We could see a little more of a return to those first couple of years with him shifting outside with Mahomes. So you where do you guys know where McColl finished last year? Is the wide receiver what? Probably uh wide receiver 30 something, 40 something, 60 something, 60. There we go. 50 wide receiver 55. Um, yeah. so 
Is he going to take a little bit of a jump? Oh, that was in standard. What did switch to standard for? Um, he was 48 he, in PPR. Yeah, so I think that's probably – he probably has a 12-spot ceiling in my estimation. He could probably get into a low-end wide receiver three. Um, and I think that's a that's a reasonable expectation for him. My my biggest concern, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the arguments the argument against my MVS argument I just made a minute ago. I'm gonna argue with myself here. I want to buy into Juju as being the top wide receiver in Kansas City, but they paid MVS like 10 times as much money. And it's like I, I so now I'm like going, well, wait a minute, is he is he really? You know, they gave MBS a three-year deal for $30 million, and, and what did you get, like $10 million He got one year for eleven. So Well, it, yeah, it, but it's only three guaranteed. The rest of it's in incentives. Right. And so it's it's on one hand, I'm like, well, yeah, obviously Juju makes sense because he's got the better history. And but if you're if you're looking at it as the team is paying for the future paying for what they think they're going to get. They think they're going to get more production out of MVS than they are out of Juju. And I don't know if that's accurate. I feel like Juju, we, we because Juju has performed at a really high level, we all want to kind of buy into Juju is going to be the guy there. And I think that it's going to really be, it's going to be a nut, it is going to be the wide wide receiver group equivalent of the San Francisco backfield is what I think it's going to be. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm not really in on anybody but Kelsey because I do think they're drafting a wide receiver as well. They've got what is, it's 29 and 30, right? They're, they're draft picks now because of yep. getting Miami. Yeah. So I do think that they grab a wide receiver there and depending on who they get, that could, like shoot down everybody's at least dynasty value. Like if they, I think this year, if, if they do get Burks, like I still think MVS, Juju, me, Cole are probably the guys that have this year, but moving forward, I'm betting my money on Traylon Burks. Another wide receiver that was moved. Robert Woods goes to the Titans for a 2022 sixth. Dennis, what does this mean for the Titans and how does it impact his, uh, the fantasy value for that wide receiver core now of Robert Woods, Austin Hooper and AJ Brown. So I love the the move. Um if he's back, is, is he on he's on track to to be back for the start of the season, right? So Yes, I believe so. Seem like it. I, well, he doesn't bring the deep threat that I think they need, you know, him and AJ Brown are both kind of 4-5 guys. So there's there's not that real blazer I think to to offset that. So they, you know, if Westbrook Akini is that guy or Marquez Stevenson or somebody else on that team uh, can fill that role, I love it. I think it's it, he's going to be a perfect fit uh, along with AJ Brown. And while they're both kind of big wide receivers, um, they kind of win differently and. I think it's going to be really, really good for um, for Ryan Tannehill. It's going to be everything that they had hoped Julio would be last year. I, I love the move myself. 
Yeah, I think it might be a little <clears throat> better than what they were going to get in Julio. We thought he might be a, a little bit uh, past his prime. Woods looked like he was still going along pretty good before he got injured there for the Rams. I like it having a complimentary option. The only question that I have, you know, they brought in Austin Hooper, which gives them back probably a better receiving tight end. We didn't really see it work with Anthony Ferkster and the guys that they tried to roll in to replace Johnny Smith. It's what is the passing volume going to be there? So from a fantasy standpoint, well, from an NFL standpoint, it probably helps the Titans to have a better option as a wide receiver too and a better option at tight end. There were games last year where they had zero, like pretty much nothing going on at receiver. I think it drops Robert Woods for me a little bit. He probably, wide receiver is such a deep and stacked position right now, and there are so many high-octane offenses. The Titans just have never been that. Yeah, that's what worries me. I mean, I feel like we're sending Robert Woods back to like the equivalent of what he was in Buffalo before he actually made it to a team that used him the correct way. Um, you know, I definitely agree with what Dennis was saying. Like he he definitely I, I think gives them a better option right now than what they got in Julio. But I don't know that Ryan Tannehill is going to pass it a ton still. It's kind of the argument we were talking about with two of the only differences. They have a legit running back in Derrick Henry as long as he's healthy. So Woods probably drops a little bit for me as well. He's a guy who, you know, we've constantly underrated. We always talk about, oh, we, I think the very first time we did our ratings, we had him as like wide receiver. I think he was like in the low twenties, maybe even thirties. And he finishes like wide receiver 14, same thing the next year. And he finished still as like a high end wide receiver two, almost wide receiver one. I think finally we're going to see him finish in the we back half wide receiver two. No, now, yeah, he's probably going to prove all of us wrong here again with, with Tennessee, but still a very good wide receiver. But I agree with Matt. Like I think it's a better NFL move than it is really a fantasy thing. I think AJ Brown's still going to be the guy. And I think Tannehill in that offense really can only support one. Um, what does this mean for the Rams, Matt? I mean, they, they did bring in Allen Robinson, who we discussed a little bit before the Robert Woods trade last Friday, our last time doing a show. So what, what does this mean for them now losing Robert Woods? Yeah, and I think they're still trying to bring back OBJ. If they don't, then depth is going to be an issue. But I think it clarified it, it was starting to get, you know, we talked about when Robin with the Robinson signing, you know, if you have Cup and Robinson and Woods, and then you bring back OBJ and you have Ann Jefferson, does that end up hurting a little bit of everyone's fantasy value? Now I think I feel a lot better actually about Allen Robinson's fantasy value being opposite of Cooper Cup because even if they re-sign OBJ, he's not tracking to be ready for the start of the season. So I think it really gives them kind of a one a and one B and I'm excited to see what they can do with that. Yeah. I, I love the move uh, away from woods and to Robinson because I think, you know, we talked about Robinson being quarterback proof all career. And then he goes to Chicago. Uh, as it turns out, he's not coach proof. Uh, it seems. Uh, you know, we're, we're all very willing to blame that failure on, on the coach and not the quarterback. So, because uh, it seems to suit our narratives. Uh, I, I think that Robinson and Cup are going to be a really, really good tandem. And, you know, OBJ is what, 29 going on 30? And I know that he flashes some dynamic stuff and he's still good. 
but I feel like he's going to end up having to take a, a, you know, kind of a lower money prove it deal if he wants to go back to the Rams. And I don't know if his ego is going to let him do that. And so I kind of feel like he might go somewhere else where he can get more money, which is going to be great for Van Jefferson. If he does, then if he doesn't, you know, Jefferson is going to have to come out of the gates smoking for the first half of the year um, to, to maintain his production and, and his spot in the pecking order there. Uh, I, I don't know anybody who can really, any team that supports four fantasy-relevant wide receivers. So if they bring OBJ back and, they, and uh, Jefferson doesn't perform, he'll easily slide in past him. But I'm all about Robinson and Cooper Cup. Yeah, I think Rob, A Rob, let's hope that he bounces back. He's had a couple frustrating seasons, obviously, but I, I do think that he has a chance to back, back, bounce back now, playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with and coaching staff, too, right? Like, he's this is the best situation all around Allen Robinson has had. Obviously, we know how good Cooper Cup is. I'll be very interested to see if they bring back Odell. Um, it seems like he wants to go back there, although there were rumors that he wants to go back to Cleveland now to play with Deshaun. Like wherever he goes, I don't think his ego part is going to matter. He's going to have to take a a deal that he's not going to love because he doesn't likely play much this year. Like I think the best chance he comes back is November, and at that point, you're almost done with the NFL season. You're going to get him maybe for the playoffs. It's going to take him, I'm sure, a couple of weeks to get into game shape. So I think wherever he goes, he's likely signing some kind of two-year deal because he's not going to do much for you this year. Dennis, we've got some March Madness games going on this weekend. What's one way some people can win some money if they so choose? Before we get on to that, I am on the clock in a draft, and it is the 12th round. And I am faced with potentially taking my RB4, which I'm looking at Ronald Jones, or my uh, Traylon Burks, rolling the dice there, taking the rookie wide receiver, um, or going with uh, a tight end. I only have one tight end so far. It's a best ball draft. And I have Pat Fryermuth because I went tight end late. So I could go like Noah Fant, Irv Smith, David Njoku, Albert O, Troutman, Tanyan. I kind of feel like I three running backs. My backs are Swift, A.J. Dillon, and Daryl Henderson. It'd be nice if Ronald Jones had an actual team or any path to touches. I think he signed with the Chiefs. Hmm. When did that happen? No, I haven't seen him that. sign anywhere. No. I mean, if uh, I don't know, I like I like Njoku's chances to do something this year, but that would be based more on the fact if Deshaun Watson plays or if it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. Because if it's Brissett, I don't like Njoku at all. He visited the Chiefs two days ago, but has not signed. I feel like so. he's going to sign. I don't know. My other RB options would be Gainwell, Gaskin, Sony, Keyshawn Vaughn, Raheem Mostert. 
could go Rashad White, Kyron Williams. The whole thing feels sad. Yeah? All right. <clears throat> I'd probably take Alberto. All right. You guys aren't helping me. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Holy cow. Uh, simply join a pool and answer questions like, who makes the next round? Uh, who will hit the most three-pointers? And then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit http colon backslash backslash ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, that's 1-877-770-7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 21 or older, 18 or older, New Hampshire and Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See http colon backslash backslash draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. I feel like it was the state song. We're, we're yeah. learning about all yeah. the states. I have to tell you guys, having been in Las Vegas the last week, they have all those disclaimers on everything there now, too. I'd believe it. I, I I would believe it. All right, so a couple more news things before we get out of here for the day. Three quarterbacks, um, two moving to new teams, one staying with theirs. We're going to get quick reactions on these uh, three here. Matt, Matt Ryan to the Colts for 2022 third. Are the Colts now contenders with Matt Ryan? I think they're as much of contenders as they were last year. Um, they still need to get some pieces, but uh, their division is eminently winnable. I think the Colts just needed to put a quarterback in place, and I think they've done that. The team was 9-8 and eight last year. With Matt Ryan, you could see 9-11 to 11 wins. No, wouldn't surprise me. 
I went off the board and went Michael Gallup. Thought that was a Ryan. better option than once he gave us. Uh, I love Matt Ryan to the Colts, um, but I do feel like it's going to be like he's he's not, you know, he would go years in a row. He'd be like quarterback three, quarterback fifteen, quarterback four, quarterback nineteen, quarterback two, quarterback fourteen. I feel like we're we're looking at the st- stretch of his career where he bounces between like quarterback 10 and quarterback 17 for the next two or three, four years. I don't think we're going to see that big swing. Um, and some of it's going to be attributed to having Jonathan Taylor as his running back. I think he's going to look back at his career and go, man, that would have been great for like the first 14 years of my career. Yeah, I um, I think it's a great move for the Colts. So definitely contenders. And I think it's a great thing for Michael Pittman. Matt Ryan, every year he's been a quarterback, has produced at least one top 12 wide receiver. And I believe the other was top 24. He's only got one there. And I mean, maybe Paris Campbell. Maybe, baby. Let's go. But I definitely think it's a great thing for Michael Pittman. If you've got him, his stock way on the rise up. Matt Ryan, you know, I'm not really buying into him fantasy-wise. I still think, like Denzel was saying, probably – QB too, but I think it's a great thing for the Colts as a team and Jonathan Taylor, as long as Frank Reich doesn't continue to use Naheem Hines. The man who replaces Matt Ryan in Atlanta is Marcus Mariota. He signs a two-year deal worth $8.75 million. Dennis, is Atlanta still in the market for a rookie QB in 2022? You know, I could see them going with someone like Desmond Ritter um, in the second round if he falls. Uh, And mostly because Ritter kind of reminds me with play style of Mariota, mobile and and, uh, good arm. You know, Mariota, I really wanted to see him get another shot. And after his first shot, he didn't. He's been a backup now for a few years. I, I think you, you draft a quarterback. Uh, I, I kind of feel like a lot of teams are starting to get uh, follow that. And I, it might have been Bill Polian whose philosophy it was, is that basically you draft a quarterback every year. You, you just do. You know, and the, the long and short of the situation is, is you either have a franchise quarterback or you're drafting to get a franchise quarterback. Or lately now you can trade for one, we've seen. Um, so I think, yeah, they do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they took one uh, early in day two. Um, I like Mariota. I want to see him bounce back, be productive. But I think that if you're Atlanta, you need to you need to build up that position and, and start to get a, a guy, especially Mariota is, what, 29 now, 30? So it's not like he's got, you know, his prime ahead of him. I get Bill Polian's advice, but I think we've seen a lot of teams veer away from that in recent years, trying to build up uh, something else and being content, especially when they know they're in a multi-year rebuild. And if Atlanta's honest with itself, given its cap situation and the talent situation that they have all over the field, 
or lack thereof, they are in a multi-year rebuild. And that's why it wouldn't surprise me if they took a quarterback somewhere. It would surprise me mildly if they took a quarterback at pick eight. I think they have other needs. I also wouldn't surprise me if they roll with Mariota and do a little bit like what Detroit did last year, try to build up and get the best talent available and build a good team, clear some of this dead cap, because they have to take a $40.5 million hit this year for moving on from Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley is suspended all year for them and just try to reset themselves to be in a good position to go at it hard in 2023. Yeah, um, I don't want to say in on Marcus Mariota, but we saw what Arthur Smith was able to do with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee before he came over to Atlanta. Atlanta was a decent team at times last year with Matt Ryan, who is not at all the quarterback that um, Arthur Smith is used to dealing with. So I actually think this could be a good thing for Marcus Mariota. You know, Dennis mentioned he's been a backup for the past couple of years and looked good at times when he's come in there. Now, do I think he's going to rebound to a top 12 quarterback like Ryan Tannehill was able to? No, but I do think that Marcus Mariota is going to be serviceable. If a guy falls to them in the second round, I wouldn't be surprised if they take one, but I don't think that they're just going to, because as Matt mentioned, there's so many issues with this team why would you want to grab a quarterback now if your team may not be ready for three or four years and then all of a sudden now you have to pay that quarterback if they do work out? I think you build as much of the team as you can now, worry about the quarterback later just because I think this team is so far away from being a like contending team. Usually I do agree with what Dennis said, and I do think I do I do believe it was Bill Polling. You just take a quarterback every year until you find the one that works. I think you can maybe skip that approach right now because Marcus Mariota is more than a decent fill-in. And I do think Desmond Ritter is a good fit, just skill style as well with what Arthur Smith typically does. Um, next up, Jameis Winston returns to the Saints, Dennis, for two years and $28 million. Is he the answer for the Saints? The answer right now, I mean, they're kind of in the same boat that uh, Atlanta is. They just have a couple more uh, premium pieces and, you know, Kamara and, you know, maybe Michael Thomas, who knows? Uh, but the Saints, they have bad cap issues that they need to figure out. And while, you know, they're, they had to cut a bunch of people and restructure a bunch of people, <clears throat> they are, um, yeah. You know, I think that uh, Jameis should be there for the next couple, two, three years. I, I like what he's, how he's matured a little bit. And, you know, if they can just kind of hold it together and be a competitive team, it probably works against them uh, because it gives them worse draft picks. Um, but they're going to need to, you know, I Taysom Hill isn't the answer. Ian Book isn't the answer. Um, and Jameis Winston is honestly... You know, if you if if the book if if you're looking for a book that is the answer, you know, some books have a lot of pages and some books don't. I I think Jameis is more like the 200-page self-help book that they're applying to the situation. You know, they're not sitting down with the 6,000-page Bible right now. They're just going with Jameis Winston and you know, going to ride him for a couple years. Yeah, and I think James for sure is going to be the starter. This is another team. They have a lot of more questions probably than just 
the cap and, and the roster with the coaching change there moving on from Sean Payton. I think they're going to have to find an offensive philosophy. That's why they would, it wouldn't surprise me to see them take a quarterback in round two or three, somebody that they can work with and, and see how they feel um, there. But at pick 18, I think they have a lot of other needs they need to bridge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Who's the other guy they were going to get? Jimmy G, Baker. They're probably going to have to give up picks for that. As you guys both mentioned, there's things that they need to do to this team. So I think he's a decent fit now. Would not be surprised if they grab a quarterback in the draft, depending on how all that goes. Matt and I were talking before the show. I don't know how many quarterbacks going in the first round now with the way the quarterback carousel has kind of moved around. So maybe some of these guys fall in the second. We see a bunch go there, and, and, and maybe they do. Maybe it is three. I don't know. We'll see. Um, last couple guys here, Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, all the rumors about them the past couple weeks, like where they were going to get traded to. We'll start with Jimmy G. I, I don't think he goes anywhere. I, I think the only realistic spot for him is Carolina. I don't think they trade him in division to Seattle and Carolina seems primed to just want to take a rookie quarterback here now with their first pick. Cause there's nobody in front of them. That's going to take one more than likely. And just kind of roll with that. So I don't think Jimmy G's moving. And then I guess that speaks more to like, does he just go and become the backup for Trey Lance for a year until they move on from him? Like Matt, what, what are your thoughts on Jimmy G? Yeah, I'm leaning towards him uh, staying in San Francisco too. And I'm not set that he is the backup. Um, you know, I think I, they may have a quarterback competition, but I'm, I'm not in on Trey Lance. And so you could end up seeing, an interesting uh, situation um, play out in San Francisco where it may end up looking like the 49ers played themselves last year. You're muted. I, I agree with you on the, the assessment there on whether or not Lance is ready. Um, I, I think San Francisco kind of agrees with it too. And they're looking at it, so I don't think they want to. They don't want to put Lance in and damage his confidence. When you have a very capable quarterback under contract that, by all intents and purposes, has showed himself to be a good teammate in the quarterback room. You know, he's not doing the Brett Favre. It's not my job to teach him how to be an NFL quarterback kind of approach. Uh, to the backup quarterback. Uh, and maybe it'll be good for Trey Lance to sit a little bit longer, um, get some more playing time uh, in 2022 behind Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation because there are only so many spots and you need to take your shot to get somebody elite but still, once you get them, you know, that development timeline is important to not breaking them. And it's, you know, you can say, oh, well, they're a professional athlete. They should be mentally tough. Well, and they are, but also you want to put them in position to be successful. And if they're failing when they're out there, um, that's not, that's not being successful. 
Yeah, I'm not as worried about if, if Jimmy G's there, if they put in a competition and Trey Lance loses, he loses. Like, there's nothing you can really do about that if you're Trey Lance. And if you get upset with that, you're probably not worthy of being an NFL quarterback, in my opinion. I think they're going to be fine either way. Um, I actually think it's a better thing for them. And I'm going to be honest, I'll use this to bridge right into Baker Mayfield as well. I think it's better for both teams to just hold the players right now because we see quarterback injuries every single year. If someone, if a contender gets hurt, guess what? Maybe now they can get that second round pick they've been looking for or something a little else added on to move Baker or Jimmy G to a team that needs a quarterback then at that point. Because again, to me, it's just the Panthers that are really need him. I know Seattle supposedly has had some interest in Baker, but now they're saying they want to roll with Drew Locke. I mean, I I don't really want to get into that. Cleveland's completely botched that situation, and it is what it is now at this point. But I think they've got to move forward, and it's going to be weird. And we'll see what Baker does. But unless they just cut him, which I think would be a very stupid decision. Like, I don't know if you guys heard this. I'm just going to say this last thing. It was just stupid, but whatever. The report that they wanted to humble him a little bit and that they were just probably going to cut him. How is that humbling him? You're cutting him. He's getting paid $19 million now to go away and then he can go sign with anybody else. It's not humbling anybody. Like, it's just dumbest thing I've ever read. But anyways, I think it'd be smart for both of them just to keep him. Even if Baker doesn't show up to whatever, any, whatever, you know, deal with that however you need to deal with it. You're already going to have enough circus-like stuff going on with having Deshaun Watson as your quarterback deal with it so i would uh i'd hold them both now in case there's an injury and try and move them later but matt what is what are your thoughts on baker yeah i think the the thing is i I don't see the wisdom in cutting them i also think it's worth it for them to see what happens with watson him getting to play and being eligible to play all 17 games is far from certainty right now jacoby Brissett is an okay insurance option but you know you've seen Baker Mayfield have some success in Cleveland uh, might be a better insurance option. We were talking about before. I think if, if Watson gets a 10 game suspension and they can't get that down, that's a huge chunk of the season that you would be surrendering to a guy that didn't really handle that situation that well in Indianapolis. And like you said, you know, maybe they have a chance mid season to get something better. If Seattle really had interest in either of these guys, they have the draft capital that they could have made it happen because both teams have made it known they're they're not looking for a first round pick. They're looking for something lower. Yeah. If I'm Baker, I mean, objectively looking at the situation, Watson is looking at somewhere between a six and seventeen game suspension. So if I'm Baker, I'm like Really? They're going to start Jacoby Brissett over me? No, they're not. So I go in there and I be the bigger man. They want to all this, you know, back alley whispering about adult in the room and whatnot. I go in there. I hold my head up high. I go out there. I play hard. I win games. And then when I move on to the next team, then I go on there. There's no talk about, oh, we need an adult in the room. It's like, look, the guy is an adult. He likes to have fun. He he's he jokes around. He's got a good personality. Sometimes he, you know, chokes in games like literally every other player in the NFL. Not some more than others, but if I'm him, I go out there and, and I don't say, look, you guys wanted somebody else, so I'm not going to play. If they need me to play, I go out there and I play and I play hard and I win games. 
and I carry the team if I need to. Um, and then I move on and go do it somewhere else. And every time I play Cleveland, I've tried to put up 90. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that he does that as well. I'm 100% rooting for Baker's success. I mean, I think I said it on Friday's show last week, and I'll echo it again. Like, he's an emotional player, like a shit ton of other players in the NFL. And when you're winning, we love it. And when you're not, everybody hates on you. So I go back to Baker's rookie season, and I go back to his 2020 season, and we sure as hell loved his moxie and his attitude and the way he handled himself on the field. But then last year in Freddie Kitchen season, all of a sudden, Baker's not a grown-up and all that stuff. So I, I completely agree with what Dennis was saying there. Uh, last but not least, no, no analysis needed. Let's just answer the question. Dennis, you said three, so I'm going to put it at three and a half. Over under, Matt, three and a half quarterbacks go in the first round in the 2022 draft. Under. I think under. I'm going to go over. We'll be back on Monday. Guess what? I won't be surprised if it's five. You guys want to do a rookie mock on Monday? Do we have anything planned for Monday? No, No. we could do a rookie mock. Let's do a rookie mock. You guys are listening to this. Follow Matt at Nighthawk7734, Dennis at Culture underscore Coach, myself at SportsFanaticMB, or the show at RoundTableFF. We'll tweet out a sleeper link. First couple people to get in there. We'll do a rookie mock with you guys, and we'll discuss it on Monday. All right. We got uh, Eric Moody from ESPN coming up on April 4th as well. April 4th. Okay, good. I was about to say, shit, he's coming up on Monday's show, isn't he? I forgot all about that. <laughs> he's April doing a rookie block. Hey, little go, boxes. I have Friar Muth around tight end 9 or 10. He's kind of yeah, he's top 10 for me, too. Year. I'm sorry. I didn't even see that. Yeah, he's yeah, top 10. and Top 8, I think. Who they My biggest thing with that, regardless if it's Mitch Trubisky there or not, they're eventually going to get a better quarterback, so he'll be fine. Everybody have a good weekend, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. How do you top?